The following is an at-will presentation. My secret is that I told my grandmother on her deathbed that the man that I was about to marry was Jewish and he was not. I'm Ben Ham. And I'm Dahlia Beta. We're your hosts as we navigate the deep waters of humanity. And listen to the stories no one ever tells. You are entering the secret room. Good morning, Ben. I received a call from Randall this morning who said his daughter is giving birth today. This weekend I went to see a man I've known for 22 years. I'd never been to his house. I'd never met his wife or his kids or his mom or his dad. But over the last two decades, he and I have had many encounters. We've had friendly moments and we've had sharp disagreements. We've worked things out because we shared common goals. All is well. I'm currently in between treatments and looking for an answer to battle my disease. I met with the oncologist at Hopkins on Wednesday and they're trying to get me in a clinical trial. My spirits are down but my hope and support from family and friends is high. End of life has a way of bringing people together in ways they had never been together before. We've had a professional relationship through the years, but now that his body is giving way to the cancer he's been battling the last year or so, none of that mattered anymore. Thanks for your thoughts and concerns and most importantly the support you are providing me and the family from work. I will keep all informed and thanks for thinking about me. It really lifted my day to hear about someone outside of immediate family who had me in their mind. Smiley face. Today, in the secret room, saying goodbye to people we love. If we're lucky enough to have a chance to speak to them before they pass on, what do we say? Do we tell them things to comfort them? Do we tell them things to comfort ourselves? Today, three people talk about losing people in their lives, and I'm one of them. My secret is that I think every single day about the last words that I said to my dad before he died. Sarah's 25. She lives in Oakland, and she's going to tell us about her dad. Um, well, we did almost everything together for the first 12 years of my life. Sarah and her dad were really close. He stayed at home raising her while mom ran a business. He cared for her completely as a baby. And then when I was in elementary school, he used to walk me every day and pick me up. Um, we would watch baseball together, the Giants and the 49ers. Sarah had it all. A stable home, a mom who brought home the bacon, and a doting daddy. I kind of grew up in like very much a, a princess, very much protected. Like nobody was gonna mess with me and you know, nobody, no boys were gonna pick on me in middle school and nobody was gonna tell me what, what was what. And One time when she was five or six, they planned a pretty cool vacay any kid her age would want. It was my first trip to Disneyland. It was going to be this big, exciting, you know, family adventure and I'm an only child and I'm adopted. And so I think I got like a little bit of extra sort of spoiling and love out of that. It must have been like two days before we were supposed to go to Disneyland. I started feeling like not feeling well. We went to the doctor and it turned out that I had chicken pox. The doctor was like, you can't, obviously you can't take a five-year-old with chicken pox to Disneyland. You're going to give every child in North America the chicken pox. And my dad was like, well, too bad for them. Like we are taking my daughter to Disneyland. And so we did. We went to Disneyland and I had chicken pox and I probably infected every child. <laughs> Sarah jokes that if there was a chickenpox epidemic about that time, she was likely patient zero. Sarah's mom was very active. She loved to travel, but dad was a homebody. 
he'd prefer to sit on the couch and watch a game on TV with Sarah. And her parents started to grow apart. He and I took a road trip to South Lake Tahoe, which is like about four hours from where we lived in Oakland. And it was where he had spent a lot of time growing up because his grandparents had a lake house there. And I kind of found out later that he was up there with me to sort of look into real estate in South Lake Tahoe and that they had been kind of talking about maybe um, like a trial separation. And then he got really sick. And so, do you remember where you were when you heard about the diagnosis? I do. Um, he came to pick me up after school one day, and he, he drove a truck, and he drove up to the pickup circle. And the front bumper of the truck was just dragging on the ground. And, I mean, it was her- it was horrific, like, horrifically embarrassing as a 15-year-old for that to happen. And also for him to be so nonchalant about it, I got in the car, and he was like, oh, you know, some guy backed into me and drove off. And I was kind of like, well, why did why didn't you stop? Like, why did you continue to drive with a piece of the car dragging on the ground? And he was like, no, it's not that big of a deal. Day or two later, I guess he had had an, an MRI or I was waiting for the school bus to pick me up because clearly my dad was like not in a space to drive. And my mom called me. So I was standing at the bus stop with my friends and she called me and she said, your dad has a, a brain tumor. It was pretty rough. It was not a very uh, gentle way to break the news. Right. She just just said it just said it was like this is our new reality and so I I was in like a state of shock I remember he said don't cry like it's gonna be okay we're gonna figure it out and I kind of said okay (laughs) and then I remember I went upstairs and I turned the shower on and I sat in the bathroom and and just cried and cried (laughs) the doctor said that he had had the tumor for two years and by the time that they found it, it was stage four. It was so bad. It was inoperable. Um, and they tried chemo for about a week and it just made him sick. And so he stopped doing it. Yeah. And in hindsight, there had been a couple of like weird personality changes that had happened in those two years. And so once we found out, we kind of, it just clicked. Everybody went like, oh, you're not really that much of an asshole. Like you haven't, your personality hasn't changed you you actually have a brain tumor and and that's where all of that is coming from. (laughs) Obviously his health started deteriorating. Did it go pretty fast? From diagnosis to the day that he died was six weeks. And it was a horrible six weeks. It was without a doubt the worst six weeks of my life. One day he, I came home and he was like, I'm gonna go get the gun from the attic and I'm gonna kill myself right now. Like I'm gonna shoot myself in front of you because this is horrible. And he would stay up all night listening to his vinyl records, like blasting the music. And so we couldn't sleep and he just was not to be negotiated with. And so that was horrible, but it was easier for me to deal with because there was still a part of him there to reason with. Was there a point when he wasn't able to communicate with you? He was in the bed for about a week and the doctor came out to the hospice and said, you know, he's basically brain dead. We're just kind of waiting for everything else to stop on its own, the breathing and the heartbeat and, and all of that. Sarah says that once in the hospice bed, it was hard for her to go in there. She stayed away, letting her mom do most of the care. And so there must have come a time when you felt you had to say goodbye. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I, he had been, so he had been in hospice for a while and it was like very clear to everybody that there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't much left And so I remember one night, it was very late, and I took his hand and just started to talk to him a little bit. 
that is part of my secret. Then I kind of realized I was at this tipping point, like I couldn't exactly stay and, and say very much more. And so I told him that I, I loved him. I said, I love you. And he started making noise back to me. And I, I don't know, it was like a moaning or like a groaning, just this kind of inhuman noise almost. It scared me. Um, I fled, I guess, for lack of a better word. I turned and got up and I ran out of the room. It was 48 hours until he would pass. It must have been, I can't imagine. So you left the room and, and then um, did you see him again before he died? I did not. So how often do you think about this? Every day. <laughs> I wish I had reacted differently. And at the same time, I'm glad that I said my piece. <laughs> Sarah's getting married in February and her mom is walking her down the aisle. So we kind of came out of it like weathered that really shitty emotional storm together and came out of it a lot closer. I, I think I learned a lot of things. I think I learned a lot about myself, how I handle a crisis. Why, why have you kept the way that you said goodbye to your dad a secret? At the time, I think I kept it a secret because I was really tired of everybody's sympathy. I think I kept it a secret because I don't really believe in miracles. So I didn't want anybody to misconstrue it maybe as me thinking that this divine thing had happened. Did you ever tell your mom? I did not. <laughs> How about your fiance? He is the only person that knows. And I think I told him one night, like very early in our relationship after like several drinks, you know, <laughs> I just... Yeah. I think it's a beautiful story, and I want to thank you for sharing it in the secret room today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, something that I'll share with you, tomorrow I'm actually going to visit a friend of mine who is dying from cancer. The experiences that you've shared are very similar to the ones that his family is experiencing now. I will just take your energy and thoughts and story with me when I go see him tomorrow, and you know, it's Probably the last time that I'll see him. Yeah. I'm going to stop recording now. Sarah submitted her secret just before I was to go visit my colleague of 22 years. Was it coincidence? I took Sarah's beautiful story of a love that transcends death with me. I went to meet his wife, his kids, his mom, his dad. Now it was time, finally, to see the real man and the love that surrounds him at home. And it was time to say goodbye. This is it. Tell everyone thanks for their thoughts and concerns. It has brought me and my family comfort. I am feeling very positive. It was great seeing you. It's the holiday season, a time to cherish those close to you, a time to be grateful for what we have and for what we have had. Smile, rejoice, and enjoy the time you share with your loved ones, because every second is precious.
So, Stephanie, you told us earlier that you told your poor grandmother on her deathbed that your fiancé was Jewish when he was, in fact, Christian. Why did you do that? Well, my mom is not Jewish, and when my parents got married, there was quite a bit of conflict between my mom and my grandparents, and that continued through the years, and my grandmother was very much into Judaism, so it was hard to tell her that he was Christian, so I had to lie, a white lie. And was she happy with the news? She was relieved, and she actually told my grandfather before she passed away, and he lived several years after, and we kept up the secret until he passed away as well. Do you think it really made a difference for her? I do not think that she would have died as happily as she died. I think that it would have been quite the disappointment for her if she died knowing that I was about to marry a non-Jew. Stick around with us a little longer, Stephanie. Dahlia and I put out a Twitter call for holiday-related secrets, and I think you have one to kick us off. My holiday secret is that I used to open up my parents' trunk and peek at all of my presents on Christmas Eve. Did you give yourself away when you opened them in front of your parents? No, I perfected the art of peeking. Hi, Ben and Dahlia. This is Natalie from Washington, D.C., and I'm calling to tell you my little Christmas secret. So this year, I ordered a Christmas tree online for the first time ever, and I had it delivered to my boyfriend's house. I told my mom what I did, and she said my grandma would roll over in her grave because we come from a family where we go out and we cut our own trees. My boyfriend was super happy about it, but I found out that he's a little bit embarrassed about it being ordered online by his girlfriend, so he's gonna tell his family that we went and chopped it down. I'm hoping that I'm with him next Christmas, and if I am, then I'm definitely going to reveal the secret to to his family next year. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. I travel a lot, and when I'm traveling, I often forget to buy the people that I love gifts. Uh, And so for Christmas, I will often order things from Amazon and say they are from the country that I visited. Hi, Ben. Hi, Dahlia. My holiday secret is that we are planning a surprise trip to take our kids to Hawaii. Aloha and happy holidays. Hey, what's your secret? Well, I haven't told anyone, but I'm going to pay my mom's mortgage for Christmas. Wow, that's a really great Christmas gift. So the weather outside is rather frightful, but I don't think we're getting any snow for Christmas in Jersey City. Yeah, there's only rain predicted here in D.C. That's okay, though. I am still full of holiday joy and grateful for all the people in my life. And for all the great secrets we've gotten this year. And for... And for what, Dahlia? You know, my secret. Oh my god, you with this secret again. You're gonna spill next time, right? Yep, in the very next episode. Speaking of which... What's going to be on that episode, Ben? It's going to be a grab bag. We're going to put together three or four completely unrelated short secrets and hope it's not a complete mess. Well, that's one way to start the new year. (laughs) I want to invite everyone to send in their secrets. There are plenty of ways you can do it. Just check them out at secretroompodcast.com, our website. But one great way is to send an email of a voice memo of your secret 
to share at secretroompodcast.com. And if anyone wants to give The Secret Room a present, it is the holidays after all, head on over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, of course. And I'm Ben Ham, or at HamPod on Twitter. And I'm at Dahlia Beta. And this is The Secret Room. Pod on! Ho, ho, ho. 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 Pod on.